a stunning look at the town of Millsboro as seen from Skycam 16. The town may only be about a mile long, but it is deep in history. As a matter of fact, a new historic marker was unveiled in town just last week, one celebrating the Nanticoke culture and the tribe's history in the Millsboro area. It's an afternoon. So tell us, what's the significance of this uh, dedication? Well, I think it's important that we understand that the Nanticoke Indian tribe was the first inhabitants of the first state. And my ancestors have primarily lived along the Indian River. And so when we thought about how we could commemorate the history uh, and the contributions that the Nanticoke Indian Association and its tribal community has had on the Millsboro and the surrounding area, we chose Cubillo Park, and that became a partnership with the town of Millsboro. Um, I think it's important that we understand that the Nanticokes were the first inhabitants, but more importantly, that we're still here. We still exist. Yeah. I'm a descendant. Um, and so to be able to have the opportunity to commemorate our history, um, and the contributions that we've made to the surrounding area. And, and to understand that we have continued to persist to exist. I well, like that. I, yes. That's all. Welcome to Real Black Contenders Forum Podcast. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about some history. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about some history, right? We're going to talk about some American history. We're going to talk about some Native American history. We're going to talk about some black history. How about that, right? <laughs> yeah, how about that, beloved? We are going to discuss the Nanako Indians, right? And we're going to show how one group of people, the Nanakoks, one tribe, is going to be called Indians, then Moors, then people of color, then Negroes, and then ultimately they're going to be called by their new name and title African Americans, right? You know what I mean? So that's going to be, you know, our discussion for the day. So when we have our history lesson today, we're going to talk about, you know, what we call paper genocide. You know what I mean? How one group of people can go through so many classifications, but they're still the same group of people, right? So when we have our discussion about the Nanico Indians, they are a tribe of Native American Indians that are recognized by the United States government. So, you know, the question is going to become like, all right, is all the Nanico Indians recognized by the United States? No. Not all of them, just some of them, right? It's a pattern. The United States government have a way of calling you Indian when you're recognized by the state, when you're recognized by the federal government. But as soon as you get away from that reservation and that government, state or federal, same group of people, now all of a sudden you become Negro, colored, Hispanic, Black, Mexican, Latin, or my favorite one, right? You know what I'm saying? We need a drum roll for this one. <laughs> you become African-American, right? 
Same group of people, right? So, yeah, we're going to have a, um, an interesting conversation today. And um, the source that we're going to use is entitled The Nanico Community of Delaware by Frank Speck, published 1915, right? And in this document, Frank is going to talk about Indians and Moors and Negroes and colored. So, when you get the opportunity, you know, read the document in its entirety. But I'm going to just read a couple of pages. And then we're just going to ask ourselves some questions out loud. The challenge thought, you know what I mean? Just to see, you know, we already know what we collectively been taught. Let's put some questions on what we've been taught. And let's just, you know, because our people, we don't always need somebody to break nothing down for us. It's cool. We can. You know, we can uh, come on here and connect the dots in it. That ain't no bad thing. But sometimes when you just start asking yourself a question out loud, you can kind of put it together yourself when you do that, right? So we're going to open up the book and we're going to go to like the page four. And then we're going to go to like the second paragraph, right? And it says, although the Moors and Nanticoke were included with the quote unquote colored people, during slave days, none of them were ever held as slaves. They, which is the Moors and Nanico, claimed the right to carry firearms. And in the local court 40 or 50 years ago, one of their number won a case arising from the ownership of firearms by proving himself to be a, quote, native Indian without a drop of slave blood in his veins, unquote. In recent years, as the outcome of an effort led by one of the band, the member of the tribe, Mr. W.R. Clark, the Nanico has secured legal recognition at the Delaware State Capitol as Indians and exemption from regulations applying to Negroes. Okay, let's stop. We're going to come back to this. It's a lot of meat in that one paragraph. How about that? Just that, just that one, right? But you just got to kind of ask yourself before we go any further. Why would a native Indian have to get before a system and prove that they don't have any slave blood in their veins? If all Indians look a certain kind of way. Right. How about that? So let's skip a couple of pages. And let's go to page eight. We're going to go to the last paragraph on page eight. Let me get there myself. Let me see. All right. And it says, subsequent to this movement, representatives from the departed band occasionally return to Indian River to visit their friends and relatives, particularly to visit old Miss Lydia Clark, right? The grand mother of the chief informant, Mr. W.R. Clark, who was then the only person who spoke the Nanticoke language and who wore in part the native costume. After her death, probably between 1840 to 1850, these Indians did not come again. And the Indian River remnant was left without communication and its kin again, however, a number of families immigrated from Indian River. All right. Now, how about that? Um, 
The only thing I wanted to point out with this paragraph is the fact that the writer talks about the Indians from that area leaving. They was busting up out of there. They left out. Right. And. Um, you know, we're going to have that conversation about why they left out. You know what I mean? So I want to do this first. I want to give you guys a couple of names. I want to give you a couple of names. And the names I want to give you is the first one is uh, Levin Sockham. That's the first name I want to give you. The second name I'm going to give you is Lydia Clark. Right. All right. So let's go back to page four. And again, you know, we're going to talk about what it all means. But I want you to take those two names and look at as many sources as you can concerning what happened with the background. Because there's a story associated with Levin Sockham and Lydia Clark. We're going to talk about the story a little later. But I want you to do your own legwork on this story as well, right? All right, now, let's go back to page four. And there was part of the paragraph that we read that said, Moors and Indians were never held as slaves. What does that mean? Right, because if we go back to any slave code, we see that the Moors and Indians is both there. So what does that mean when they say they were never held as slaves? That's identifying genealogy. So they wasn't held as slaves. Because remember, you only can become a slave through your mother. That's according to the slave codes now, right? We just, we ain't making it up. You, you only took after the status of your mother. So if your mother was a free person of color, you're going to be free. But if your mother was a person of color and she was a slave, you took after status of your mom. So if your mom was an African Negro, right? She was Mandingo. She was a Shanti. She came over here on the boat. She couldn't be free. She could not be free. Later, you know, during points of history, we started to see that a lot of these African women was able to get their freedom because they made they made deals with the plantation owner, right? So they was, you know, uh, one of the deals through history, you see if... Uh, if she got like 10 kids or she got 13 or she has 16 kids, then if she have enough kids, that's how she bought her way out of freedom. She produced enough offspring to leave behind on the plantation. She can go. Right. Maybe all that's a different story for different day. Page four speaks to Moors and Indians that was able to own guns. That's the point I wanted to show you. Right. OK, we've seen that. Page four also speaks to classification. Moors, Indians, and Africans, they all fell underneath the classification of, quote, people of color or colored people, right? And they, if we come over to page eight, the only thing I want to show you in page eight, it speaks to Lydia Clark. And it touches on the band leaving that area in Delaware. Right. The band is another name for tribe. The tribe leaving out that area. Right. And they stand going for good. But some of them was, you know, they come back to return and they visit, you know, 
It also refers to Lydia Clark's grandson, Mr. Clark, who was the last Indian that they could remember that had the expression he used to wear, what they called the costume, and then he knew the language, all right? And during that time, the people, you know, they had no idea of their history, and if you look, they had no idea of their kin. They didn't know nothing, even at this time, right? We're talking about the 1800s now, right? Okay. When you look deeper into this book, you will see the names of the families that belong to that band, the Nanico Indians, that left the area, right? You can see the name, like it was the Sockham family, they left. And there was the Miller family, they left. It was the Johnson family and the Norwood family and the Clarks and the Thomas family, right? These are all Nanico Indians that lived in that area and they moved out, right? And they left that city to go to other cities like San Francisco. They left and moved to Detroit. They left, moved to Philadelphia. But the Nanico Indians that lived there, they moved to other inner cities. In short, that's all they did. They moved to another inner city. Right. They leave in Delaware. And again, and just I want to remind you of the names, Sockham's, Miller's, Johnson's, Norwood's, Clark's, Thomas's. All these folks was originally Native American Indians and they left. Right. All right. Now, that's it. That's all I'm going to give you on that. You had to go back and do your own legwork on that situation, like these the characters that I gave you at the beginning. And again, the name of the two characters is. LeVan Stockham and Lydia Clark, right? All right, so now let me give you guys a story, right? I'm going to take you guys on the ride. We're going to sit back. We're going to talk a little bit about some history, but I'm going to just give you a story. It's going to be in short. I'm not going to give you the long version, just a short version. In 1855 in Delaware, there was a man named LeVan Stockham. He was a Nanico Indian business owner. That's what it Everything pretty much comes down to. He was an Indian business owner, right? If you just look at his last name, it's Sakam. That's an Agakwin word, right? So it's clear that the guy is an Indian. The society today, and even at his time, would consider him a black person because he was dark-skinned. He was an Indian. He got the bloodline. He got the Everything that you're supposed to have as any. Let me just say that part. But he was dark-skinned. He was the dark-skinned Indian, right? Okay. Sockham owned a general store in his community, right? And in his store, he sold guns. He sold gunpowder, knives. And, you know, amongst other things. It's just a general store in the 1850s. He just had a store, right? Okay. At the time... To be a, a weapons owner, you had to be either Indian or you had to be a Moor or you had to be white. So almost all whites was gun owners. You know what I mean? A lot of the uh, Native American population and more, all of them was gun owners. But it was illegal for Negroes to own guns. Negroes couldn't own guns. Black people couldn't own guns, i.e., African Negroes, they couldn't own no guns. You know, so, you know, you couldn't, you know, Mobutu couldn't get no ratchet. He didn't qualify. He didn't, 
even though, because I want to remind you now, all of them is in the same classification as quote unquote people of color, the African, the Moor, the Indian. But that Moor and then that Indian, they can go get a ratchet. The devil, of course, he making a ratchet, so he got all the ratchets. The African Negro didn't qualify, right? Okay. So I just want to continue with the story. Um, Levin was accused of selling a Negro a gun, which is illegal. And the devil seen him and reported him, and he had to go to he had to go to court about this matter, right? He had to go to the court and prove his case. And you know, while Levin was in court proving that he didn't break the law and he didn't sell no guns, no gun ammunition to a Negro. The court system flip-flopped on him, right? And Levin had to now prove the Indian, right? The Nanako Indian. He had to now prove that he himself wasn't a Negro. He had to now prove he himself didn't have any Negro slave blood in him. So he go to court for one thing, they flip-flop on him and turn it into something else. It became like a racial court almost, right? Okay, so what they did was they brought in another Nanako Indian. She's another tribal member. Her name was Lydia Clark. That's who. That's why I asked you guys to look up the names. And Lydia just pretty much said, nah, Levin is black. He got some Negro in his blood. And brothers and sisters, that's all it took. It didn't take nothing else, right? Now, when you look deeper into the story, Levin proved that he didn't have any slave blood in his line. He proved he didn't have no African Negro in his line, but it didn't matter. He was, you know, he ended up losing the case. He had to pay a fine. And then he lost his story because you can't, I mean, once you classify it as a Negro, you know what I'm saying? You, you, can't, you can't legally sell any guns. You can't sell that ammunition. Goddamn, you can't. You can't even. It's illegal for you to have a gun now. You know what I mean? He can't even own a gun himself. So that one, that one strike of the law, totally put the brother out of business and out of everything. All right. Now, here's that story. We're gonna go a little deep into the story. I'm telling you bits and pieces. You're gonna have to read all it yourself because I, I ain't gonna. Ain't nobody gonna come on here and say what well, Big VJ was cherry picking nothing. I gave you the names. You look You look it up yourself. If we go a little more deeper in that story, right? Levin was a nanico. The Negro that he was accused of selling a gun or the gunpowder to that made the whole thing illegal. He was a nanico Indian too. Not only that, Lydia Clark, the one that said that he was not a Indian, she was a nanny cope too. So all of these three people that that's the whole thing is about all of them was nanny cope. What they was playing was a color game, beloved, a skin color game. You know what I mean? Now, the story goes on to say that um, before Lydia passed away, you know, she was regretful that she lied on the van because she knew the guy wasn't. This is they all in the same tribe. They family. She knew they didn't have no Negro blood in them. But this, it comes out later that Lydia was underneath some kind of pressure. You know what I mean? Because, see, the devils that she worked for on, on their plantation, they was kind of pressuring her because her reputation, Lydia I'm talking about, 
they used to call her um, the last nanny coat alive. You know what I mean? And they built her up. So they used her once they built her up. They took her testimony to tear down other people in the tribe to say that they wasn't in the tribe and they mixed with Negroes and they really, they're faking like they're any, they're really not Indian. And they used her as to, to declassify other Indians and turn them literally from Indian to black with just her testimony. I want to stop right there because that beloved you got to let that shit marinate. Do that part alone. You have to let that marinate. A woman named Lydia Clark. Close with these devils. They built her up as the. Look, she's the last Danny Cole alive. She's the last Danny Cole alive. And then they use her testimony. To tear down other Indians. To take their classification from them. Because rights come with these classifications now. That, oh, this person is not Indian. This person ain't a real Indian. They fake, they fake, they fake. They didn't use no genealogy to change it up. Just a testimony of the one that they built up. Now, what's crazy about this story is some of this shit that these devils do, it does not change. They do the same shit today. If they are building a person up in you or around you, they're going to use him to rule over you or they're going to use her to rule over you. They built her up for their purpose, right? All right, but maybe all that is, is a different story for a different day. All that different story for a different day. America, beloved, has always played a color game, a skin tone game, a paint job game. Many of our people are indigenous to this land. But this country, again, they play the color game. And many of our people, because of that, fall for this hustle, hook, line, and sinker. That's cold, man. That's cold, man. You know what we never ask ourselves? How come so many American Indian tribes were disqualified from being recognized by the state and federal government? We never asked ourselves that. What is the criteria to take an Indian tribe and disqualify them for no longer being Indian? Like, what's the criteria? Because... I know, you know, I know why they're not called Indian anymore. I know why a lot of these tribes was disqualified from being state or federally recognized. I know why. Because they was dark-skinned. They was black. They was too dark. So their status was just, they wrote them off in history. No, you from Africa. Start, they, it was just that simple. Status is lost. Because when you see Indian tribes and chiefs and they goddamn look European, they never lose their status, though. You looking at these people like I looked at I used to always come on the podcast and make a joke like Bill Baker is a chief. Bill Baker looked like he, he like he just 
He just got off the boat from Europe yesterday. He is an Indian chief. Bill Baker was an Indian chief. But as long as these Indian tribes were comfy and cozy and damn near look white, they kept their status. The minute <laughs> that these folks was Indian and it was dark and dark brown and they had real color on them, they just rolled them off. No, that's not. They immediately lost their status. They immediately lost their recognition. So this is what I'm encouraging the American Negro. When I'm talking to my people, I'm like, yo, you don't look, you know, if you want to find out who you is, you don't research the tribes that's federally recognized. Because it's a reason why they're federally recognized. You start researching the tribes in your area that lost their status. That's how you're going to see which is which. And then you're going to see why they lost their status. It had nothing to do with, you know, it's just, look, check this out, check this out. Even when you take a look at the Levin story, you can read this story. It could take you this way or that way. You can come up with your own conclusion. You can come up with different conclusions and whatever the case may be. I just use this as a point of conversation because, see, he didn't pass the eyeball test. Right. He was a Nanico Indian. You know what I mean? And he was so upset that he lost his court case. He came back to the tribe. Along with himself, you got to put this in your mind. Other Nanico Indians, they got all their shit and they left. Man, well, we up out of here. They just moved up, man. Y'all because these it's 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 uh, on record that he was quoted by saying, man, I'm tired of this shit. Like, man, I'm tired. Of, man, I'm tired. Man, I don't want to deal with these folk. And he got up and he left. And other Nanico Indians followed behind him. Now, we out of here, too. And they all moved out. But when they left Delaware, where did they move to? They moved to inner cities. They went to Frisco. They went to Philly. They went to Detroit. And then <laughs> here's the real cold part of this conversation. What do you think their children because they end up being Levin being end up classified as black. And his cousin, who was also Indian, he was end up being classified as black. The whole thing was about selling to a Negro in the first place, right? Remember that. You know what I mean? Okay. What do you think Levin and his cousins, children today, is, is being classified at? Because they all moved to the inner cities. So what do you think they're being classified as today? <laughs> Right now, they're running around Philly and Detroit and Frisco saying they're African-American. they African-American. Hey, man, what tribe of you? At, you from Africa. Okay, what tribe? They don't know. They don't have a clue. As a matter of fact, watch this. You know, I'm going to show you how slick America is. I'm going to show you how slick America is. If you took 500 black Americans, right? You sent us to Africa. And then we get to Africa. We're in West Africa, right? And then, you know, out the 500 amongst us, men and women, we start mixing in with the Ashantis, right? <laughs> now, you know, the Ashantis is a, is a federally 
recognized tribe by the Nigerian government, right? So, okay, cool. So 500 black Americans, we go over there and we start mixing in with the Ashantis. How long you think it's going to take before they lose their status? As <laughs> me and Ashanti, how long you think it's going to take? All right, maybe maybe not because we all quote unquote black people, right? All right, well, check this out. Let's say some Mexicans in. We take 500 Mexicans. We send them overseas. They go to Africa, Mother Africa, and then they start mixing in with the Mendingo tribe over there. Right, because the Mendingos, as we know, this is a federally recognized tribe in West Africa. Right? How long do you think it's going to take before they lose their status? <laughs> that should have never happened. What about when we take some devils? Right? We take about five hundred people. They Scottish. They Irish. Right? We throw them over there. We mix them in with the Igbos. You know what I mean? You think the Nigerian government is going to come up and say, all right, well, y'all was Igbos, but y'all ran around with these Scottish folks so much that you're going to lose your tribal status. <laughs> that should have never happened. Now, they only play that kind of game in America. Oh, what happened to you guys is you guys lost your tribal status because y'all mixed it. The African came over on the slave ship and he got right off the ship and he started mixing in with the Native American tribe. And just because of that, they lost their status. Nobody goes for that but us. That whole concept doesn't make any sense. Forget about me saying, brother, you was always here. Because, okay, let's just say we're not going to play the brother, you was always here game. Because our people, they don't understand that. They think all of us came over here on the bottom of a ship. All of us. You know what I mean? We wasn't all, we, we wasn't always here. Okay, cool. Let's play that game. Your granddaddy was Ashanti. You know what I mean? Your granddaddy was Igbo. They was Yoruba, whatever. And they came over here and did what? They mixed in with these tribes over here and the tribe lose their status? How does that work? It works if you just... <laughs> I tell you how it works. It works when you just repeat everything your your oppressor tells you. That's that's just a simple. That's how it works. It got no real validity in it. Yo, this case I read this case. I was like, man, that's crazy, bro. That's crazy, and I know it's crazy because I can imagine their grandchildren is somewhere today. These folk had kids, they had kids, they had kids, and there was true indeed Nanico Indians, and then a person just said, hey, they're black. It just didn't take nothing but that. Nothing but that. And in a weird kind of way, beloved, it's so cold because they'll do that today. The so-called white man would put up an Indian chief that he propped up from a red Indian nation that he propped up and he put up in power. You know what I mean? Because once you really start, when you, this is a real funny thing. When you really start scratching the surface of some of these uh, so-called federally recognized tribes, you'll see that the United States government created many of these tribes. This shit ain't no, it wasn't no indigenous shit. They just made it up. You know what I mean? And now he propped up and he put up a chief. You know what I mean? And the chief go up and he tell, he looking at the, the red man now. He'll look at black folks and say, no, y'all was African. And he can use one to split up another one where if you took that devil out the equation years ago, we always here. 
all the devil did in this story is took because I guess I, I got to press this on your mind because this is how cold the story is. There was three people involved. All of them was the same tribe. They was all nanny copes. One was star one though. He was making a little bit more money than the rest of them because it, when I start looking at how this devil operated, like man, it just really come down to business. He probably was better at business than the rest of these guys, and then they they just try to use a, some backdoor law to get him out of business. And the backdoor law was putting the Negro label on him. You know what I mean? But then you got to ask yourself, how can you put a, a Negro label on somebody that don't look like a Negro? How do you do that? I'm asking you, like, how do you do that? And then another question I'm asking you, you think he was the only one they did this to? You think he's the only one they did this to? <laughs> Man, our people got to wake up. Our people got to wake up, beloved, because you know what? When I read this story, beloved, I was I was touched because when they say that those nanny the, like when the nanny Indians that they got upset and they moved out and they moved to Detroit. Detroit was one of the cities that they moved to. This is the 1800s. Hey, you know what? I know some Norwoods. I'm some of I went to school with some Norwoods. I know some Johnsons. I got a partner that's his last name, Thompson. The Harmons. Hey man, I used to talk to a young lady. From the east side of Detroit, she was a Harmon. These ain't no one of these days, beloved. I'm gonna have to have a different conversation about names. You know what I mean? Because what I began to learn is a lot of these names that we we closely connect to some of these plantations. We don't know that these names is indigenous names. We think everything comes from Europe because all we know is what we've been taught. But we're going to learn, beloved, man, it's much deeper than what we've been taught. But I tell you, man, I just I want you guys to check out this story. I ain't going to talk about it no more. I want you to check it out and I want you to tell me. The only thing I wanted to show the family was how one person can say, oh, they all in the same trap. Oh, this person is not a real Cherokee. This person is not a real Yamasee. This person is not a real nanny coat. You know what I mean? This person is not a real Choctaw. This person, and they just doing, they just playing the skin color game. That's all they doing. And then because you look up and you got the same paint job as somebody from the other side of the Atlantic, you trying to walk around with shoes and garments and coaches that don't even fit you because you're falling behind the word of your oppressor. And you also been misled by your oppressor and somebody from the same tribe as you that did a backdoor deal on you and now they turned on you and now you don't know who you are. Peace and black power to your family. Thank you guys so much for listening, man. Thank you guys for hanging out. This Real Black Content is Forum Podcast, man. Big BJ, man. I get it with you guys later. Peace.